And uh, first of all, can we just uh, give the Lord um, some praise for such a wonderful worship time this morning? Amen. You know, these are, th- th- today is a crazy day. I mean, you woke up and it's, it's wet outside. The one thing you learn in church, at least what I've already learned this morning, is you walk around, you figure out where we got leaks in this crazy roof. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but we're, so far we're dry in here, and that's a, and that's a blessing. You know, on these days, you, you think about, um, we can think about a storm. And a lot of times you think about analogy of a, of a storm, and you're like, that means rocky times and a difficult period. But then, but then you get a, a rain like today, and it feels kind of refreshing, right? It, you, you, know that it, you know that you're going to look at the, at the foothills in the next couple of weeks, and they're going to all turn green, and somehow, miraculously, your lawn's going to come back to life. And, uh, and, it, and it's a blessing. And I think about that refreshing, and I just think, what a blessing that we get to come before a, a Lord that refreshes us. And he, and he refreshes us through his worship and through his word, but ultimately it's just through his presence. And when we gather together with brothers and sisters, it says that where two or three gather together, the Lord is there with them. And, and God's here with us this morning. And he's met us in, in uh, worship, and he's going to meet us in opening up his word. And so let's just go before the Lord again and ask him to come and be our teacher. Father God, we come before you, and we, we come before you with all humility, recognizing that we need you. And um, I don't know where everyone is at. I, I know that sometimes that that a storm can brew in my own heart. And just emotionally, it, you, you get riled up and, and uh, it's difficult. And uh, there's times of feeling frustrated or troubled. And, uh, but God, it's in those times that we just come before you because you, we know that you are the Prince of Peace. And we're reminded of that as we look forward to Christmas that you are our Prince of Peace, our wonderful Counselor, our Almighty God. And uh, God, we come before you this morning, and we just ask that you would come and speak to us from your word. We pray that we would be refreshed by it. And so, uh, God, we lift up uh, each person that's here in this sanctuary or joining us online, and we pray that you would come and speak to them. And I pray that you would help me to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that I'd be able to speak your words with truth and with conviction. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are in the midst of Advent, and we are looking forward to Christmas, which, as Pastor Darren mentioned, is on, on a Sunday this year, and so that's a little bit different experience. But as we get forward to Christmas, there's all, there's all kinds of Christmas parties, right? We've had a bunch of Christmas parties around the church, especially all the life groups have a Christmas get-together, and, and that's a lot of fun. One of the things that I like to do every once in a while at a Christmas party is a white elephant gift exchange. You know what a white elephant gift exchange is? A, a white elephant gift is a gift that you give not so much because you think it's valuable, but because you think it's going to get a laugh. 
You know, it's something completely impractical. It's something uh, that you know is going to be a little bit silly, a little bit off the wall. And you get a white elephant gift because uh, it, it's kind of amusing. You're, it's going to be funny. I got, uh, one year I got a really good white elephant gift. I picked out a, a big present and I opened it up and I got a taxidermied catfish. <laughs> now, what am I going to do with a taxidermied catfish? And uh, I, I saw that catfish, and I was like, first of all, I'm not a fisherman. Second of all, I would never hang that above my fireplace or wherever. And so this is not actually the catfish I got. This is one I Googled uh, because that catfish was thrown in the trash or something. I had no need for that catfish. And uh, white elephant gifts are, are, are kind of crazy gifts like that. But there can be one saving grace of a white elephant gift exchange. And you might be able to get your gift if you don't really like it. You might, somebody might think it's good and they could steal it from you, right? And then you get to either steal another gift or, or, or you get to open a new gift and you might get something that you actually like. Now, I've played white elephant gift uh, exchange where you actually can act, trade for a gift. Somebody opens something that you want and, and, they, and you have what they want, you can trade. Now, let's just say, hypothetically, you're at a white elephant gift exchange party and you've opened a taxidermied catfish and your neighbor opens something really valuable, something that you'd love to have. They, they've got the latest, uh, newest uh, smartphone. They got an iPhone 14. And, uh, and here you're stuck with a taxidermied catfish. But let's just say we're dreaming hypothetically here, right? So let's just say this person opens up this uh, iPhone and they're like, you know what? I'd really like to have the catfish. And they trade with you and you're thinking, that's the dumbest trade you could have made. That, that's, a, that's a ridiculous thing to do. You're grateful but you think, why in the world would you do that? You would call that a dumb exchange, right? A dumb exchange is you, you trade away something valuable for something uh, far less valuable, and uh, you've made a dumb exchange. Well, what we're looking at when it comes to Christmas, from a worldly perspective, looks like a dumb exchange. Jesus has existed for all eternity past, in the glories of heaven, and having all, all the power in his words, he speaks universes into being. The angels worship him. He has uh, complete power, complete strength, complete omniscience. He knows all things, and yet he comes to be born as a baby in a manger. From a worldly perspective, if you think about it, you'd say, that's a dumb exchange why would uh, God ever do that? But we know, but we've gathered here in church because we recognize that there is a wisdom from the Lord that doesn't come from worldly wisdom. And we have the benefit of the scriptures and of hindsight and of the Holy Spirit to know that that's not a dumb exchange, that's a divine exchange. That God has come uh, for something glorious, for something uh, divine. In fact, I'm going to use that word today. It's a divine exchange. A divine exchange is Jesus taking our punishment and giving us his peace. 
From a worldly perspective, that's a, that's a dumb exchange. Jesus lives a perfect life, sinless, deserves all the praise and the worship and the glory. He, he uh, is the one that should have peace, and yet he takes upon himself punishment for us. He takes our sin. He takes our punishment that we deserve, and he gives us peace that really we don't deserve. But it's not a dumb exchange. It's a divine exchange. It comes from the Lord. It's motivated out of his love for us. The divine exchange is talked about here in Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 7. And I want you to hear these words, and let them just fall afresh on you. Sometimes we hear about Jesus and we know what he has done, that we don't quite uh, take it all in. But, but look at what these verses actually say. Surely he took our pain and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our iniquity. He was Uh, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, I'll recognize when we read that text, it's speaking of Jesus's crucifixion, it almost sounds more like a passage that we would read on Good Friday than during the Advent season. But, but uh, uh, if we know the reason Jesus came, this is perfectly appropriate for today uh, as we look forward to Christmas. On the night Jesus was uh, born, an angel appeared to the shepherds who were guarding their sheep at, at night, and the angel said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. Jesus came as a Savior, which means from, the, from his very uh, birth, on his birthday, he was already looking forward to his death day, the day that he would be put to death. Because uh, on that day, he works out salvation. He is our Savior. Now, what has he come to save us from? Well, sin, that's right. Good. Thank you, Dawson. Uh, the passage calls sin transgressions or iniquities. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That's sin, right? Sin is, if we, we want to make sure we understand all these con, uh, concepts rightly, sin is turning away from God's perfect purposes and plans for our lives. Sin is really going against the character of God. Uh, now, God gives us commandments and, and instructions based on who he is. And when we turn away from those things, when we stray from those things, then we sin against him. And verse 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. So in other words, we've got a universal problem. We've got a sin problem. All of us have turned away from, what God, uh, from God's character, who he is, have turned away from his commandments. We've sinned against God. The Bible is very clear about that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, sheep are not known to be smart animals. 
You know that, right? Even if you had never been around a sheep, you know sheep are considered to be dumb animals. And uh, if one sheep gets spooked and runs over to the edge of the cliff to its death, the rest of the flock will follow along uh, because they're not smart animals. They'll all run to their death. And the same thing happens to us. And sometimes you think, well, why do we uh, do that? Every one of us, my parents, your parents, everyone before us, everyone around us, we, have, we all continue to fall into the same silly things which are to choose things that don't lead to our good. They're uh, things that we choose that lead to the difficulties and the harm in our life. Things of sin. Why do we do that? Because we got that inclination within us. The Bible calls it a sin nature. We got a sinful nature that has a bent towards turning away from God to, to sin. Now, uh, we don't, we, no one has to teach us to sin. Just like a baby, you don't have to teach a baby to lie. You don't have to teach a baby to hit its, his uh, sister. You know, the kids do that on their own. And the same thing with us. No one has to teach us how to sin. It comes very naturally because of the sin nature within us. I want to illustrate this here uh, this morning. And uh, I've got a couple snow globes. And these are empty snow globes. And um, I picked this up at Hobby Lobby. Nothing in it. Usually you'd expect some sort of Christmas scene in here, right? But this is an empty one. And so this represents your life. This, this snow globe represents your life. Now, uh, what I'm going to say, because of the sinful nature, uh, which is on the inside of us, we've got some dirt on the inside of us. And so I'm going to put a couple scoops of dirt here. This is our selfishness, and this is our pride, and this is our lust, and this is our jealousy, and this is, I don't know, the, the list keeps going. These are, these are all the sinful habits and attitudes that that we've got in us this is our this is our sin nature inside of us now because we've got a sin nature now you may think i don't give in to my sin nature all the time no you don't and that's good but the temptation keeps coming right no matter how long you've been following Christ, the, the temptation keeps coming because we got sin on the inside now you and i we don't like to admit that we like to keep our lives very clean, and so we clean up our lives the best we can. And uh, we wash it clean, and we make ourselves look very good in front of others. But the thing is, we're just cleaning the outside. And we like to, get ourselves, and we like to make ourselves look as good as we can, and we get ourselves all clean on the outside. And people might even look at our lives and say, wow, man, that person's got it together. But what they don't see is what's on the inside. And Jesus says it is out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And, the, and we do our actions and we have our reactions because of the sinful nature on the, the inside. That's us. That, that's the sin nature and that is, that, is our, that is our problem. Does that make sense? Do you, res, do you resonate with that? Uh, that's what we're battling every day. It's a, it's a sin nature. Now, I want to make something very clear as we talk about this. The solution to that 
is not dig in your heels and try harder. And I just, I just, make that, I just want to make that clear because that's how I think most people think of their relationship with God, spiritual things. Because we live in a world that is so much that teaches us if you want anything good, you got to work for it. You got to work harder. If you want to be a good person, you got to try harder. Put in the effort. Get your act together. Uh, uh, work at it. And, uh, and Jesus comes to this earth because he recognizes that's not the solution. That's what most religions teach. Hinduism and Buddhism have uh, the idea of karma. You do good and good will come back to you. Judaism is founded on the idea of obey the law and the commandments. But Jesus comes to establish a whole new way. In fact, Jesus uh, knows, the real God and the true and living God, knows that you can't work your way to God. Right? Because of the sinful nature. You can't work your way God, uh, to God. So this is Christmas. So God works his way to us. That's what, we, that's what is different about God's wisdom than all the other wisdom of the world, all the other wisdoms of all the other religions. God's uh, truth knows what's really in our hearts, that we got a sin nature. And the temptation's going to keep coming up. And as hard as you try, I guarantee you, you're going to give in to that temptation at least once in a while because you don't got the strength yourself. And so that's why God sent his own son, Jesus, to live on this earth. So now I've got a second snow globe. This is Jesus. And, his, and this snow globe looks a lot like this snow globe. Jesus came and he took on a human body. And he looks just like us. He, he had, he had uh, blood coursing through his veins just like we do. He, uh, he had messy hair in the morning. He had a poopy diaper when he was a baby. He, uh, he was just like us in every way, right? He had a body just like us. But there was one major difference. Jesus is clean on the inside. Because while Jesus took on a human body, he was still God. On the inside, he was still clean. But here's the thing. When Jesus came to this earth, he purposely put some water in here and make some mud. He purposely uh, made himself dirty on the outside. He was born in a dirty manger, and he lived in poverty his whole life. And he came and he made his company with sinners. He said, it is not the righteous that I've come for, but sinners. He made himself dirty on the outside. He died the, the death of a criminal on the cross, the most horrific death that you could imagine. Uh, this is Jesus. He's very, he's very much alike us, but he's also very much different because Jesus is clean on the inside and yet dirty on the outside, and he doesn't try to clean himself up on the outside. In fact, he willingly associates with those that don't have it all together. And the quicker we realize that we don't have it all together, the more we are able to have God come and uh, meet with us. We can't work, you can't work your way to God, so God works his way uh, to you. 
Isaiah 53.4 speaks of Jesus getting dirty on the outside. It says, Surely he took our pain and he bore our suffering. The difficulties of the world he took upon himself. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. And that's speaking of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. Chelsea and I, a number of years ago, we went to, Chelsea's my wife, we went to uh, hear a speaker who spoke about a sacrificial death that he had experienced. His name was, the speaker's name was Brennan Manning. Uh, but in the, in the talk that he told us, he, re, he told us that Brennan wasn't his birth name. He took that name later in life, so he told us about how he received the name Brennan. When he was a kid, I'll call him Brennan because I don't know what his birth name was, Brennan had a best friend by the name of Ray, and he and Ray did everything together. They played in the backyard together. They went to elementary school together. They grew up together. When they became teenagers, they bought a car together, and uh, they double-dated together, and then they even signed up for the army together. And they were shipped off to war together. And uh, Brennan in his talk told us about how one night they were sitting in the foxhole and, the, and there's a battle that is all raging around them. And they're just sitting there trying to imagine better days and better times. And Brennan's reminiscing of how they used to play in the backyard and the first car that they bought. And uh, Ray is sitting there eating a chocolate bar when all of a sudden a live grenade comes into the foxhole. And Brennan looked at his friend Ray and he said, Ray actually smiled, threw his chocolate bar down, and threw himself upon the live grenade. And sure enough, the grenade exploded, and Ray lost his life, but Brennan's life was saved. When he got back from the war, uh, he had grown up Catholic, so he, he recognized this is a gift from God, and he, and he went into school to, to become a priest. And upon his ordination, uh, they said to take the, a new name, the name of a saint. But he didn't choose the name of one of the traditional historic saints of the Catholic tradition. He chose the name of his friend whose name was Ray Brennan. And from then on, he became known as Brennan Manning. One night, he had uh, gone to visit Ray's mom, Mrs. Brennan, and uh, they were staying up late. And the later they stayed up, just the more they laid their heart bare. And uh, as they're sitting around the kitchen table, uh, Brennan asks Mrs. Brennan, uh, do you think that Ray loved me? And Ray's mom was immediately incensed. In fact, she stood up and, and came across the kitchen table and shook her finger in his face and said, uh, with cursing, Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? And she stormed out the room. And uh, and Brennan sat there just in shock of trying to process what happened. And as he did, he got this vision in his mind. But in his mind's eye, it wasn't uh, Ray's mom. It was Jesus' mom that stood before him. And, and Mary, Jesus' mom, wasn't shaking his finger in his face. Jesus' mom was pointing to the cross and not using Jesus' name in a cursing way, but in a compassionate way, she, she said, Look, Jesus Christ, what more could he have done for you? And that's the divine exchange. 
that Jesus has come because he loves you. And I think that whenever we gather together and we worship and we look at his word and we think of Jesus, we look to the cross and we are reminded of how much he loves us. He didn't have to do it. He lived in the glories of heaven. In fact, when he came to this earth because he was clean on the inside, he never sinned. He did not deserve to go to the cross, but yet he went to the cross and he took the wrath of God upon him because he loves us. That's the divine exchange. And so verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we have been healed. From a worldly perspective, that's, a, that's, that's silliness. From a worldly perspective, that's a dumb exchange. That's as dumb as taking an iPhone 14 and trading it away for a taxidermied catfish. You know, that just doesn't make any sense until we get God's wisdom. And then all of a sudden, it's the most glorious truth that we could ever hear about. That's, that's divine love. That's a d- divine exchange. Jesus took your sins and transgressions that you might receive his righteousness. Jesus took your wounds, your hurts, your griefs, your guilt that you might receive his healing. Jesus took your death that you deserve to die that you might receive his life, his eternal life. Jesus bore your shame that you, might receive, that you might share in his glory. Jesus endured the rejection that you should have endured, that you might receive his acceptance before God the Father. Jesus took your curse and was made to be a curse for you so that you could receive his blessing. And ultimately, as this passage says, Jesus took your punishment that we might receive his peace. Amen? Amen. That's the good news of the gospel. The angel uh, that I mentioned that appeared to the shepherds in the fields was eventually joined by a whole host of angels. You know what a host is? A host is an army. Uh, in the Old Testament, you'll read about the God of uh, heavenly hosts, and uh, it's the God of armies. This army, was, this army of angels in the sky was thousands upon thousands. You can imagine the brilliance, and they proclaim, glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Jesus has come to bring us peace, and, and uh, a peace that we don't deserve. I recently came across an acronym for GRACE that I want to share with you because it fits so perfectly this morning. GRACE, G-R-A-C-E, stands for, and I'll have it put up here, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. G-R-A-C-E, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. Isn't that beautiful? This is grace. God's riches, all of his blessings, the forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit, the church and our brothers and sisters, the peace and the joy that we can't have on our own, everything that you can imagine and a thousand times more, that's God's riches and Christ has paid the price for it. Again, you can't earn it. If you could earn it, it would be a paycheck. But you don't get it by a paycheck. You get it as a gift. That's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for you have been saved by 
grace, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. Let's say you wake up on Christmas morning and there's your present. It's beautifully wrapped. It's got a big red bow on it. It looks very beautiful. Uh, It's sitting there under the Christmas tree, but you think, "Let let me make my waffles and eggs and Christmas morning breakfast first. And you, and you make your breakfast and, you, and you're full. And then, oh man, Christmas Day parade is starting. You start watching the parade. And uh, pretty soon, before you know it, all Christmas is gone. You got together with friends and family. You never got around to opening your gift. I'll do it tomorrow. You wake up and you get distracted or you get lazy or whatever. You never open your gift. And pretty soon that day passes and the next day and the next day. And New Year's Day has passed. And you almost have forgot about it. And the whole year has passed. And you never actually open your gift. Now, how does that make the person that thought of the gift for you feel? They went out of their way. They thought of the present. They went and bought it. They wrapped it. And yet you never take advantage to open it. And how often do we, uh, how many people treat God's gift of salvation the same way? Uh, You might have heard about Jesus known that he died on the cross, but you never actually receive it. You never actually ask him to come into your life. And that's a tragedy because it's offered there just free if, if each of us would ask God to come into our lives and to be our Savior and Lord. And all it is, is a, it's, I say all it is, it's, it's a huge moment. I'm not saying that it's not, but it's a moment of surrender. And you can't work for it. You can't earn your salvation. God gives it to you as a free gift. Okay, before we close today, I've got to finish off the snow globe illustration. And this is where it really all comes home together. You see, verse 5 says, He was crushed for our iniquities. So Jesus, who came to this earth, who was clean on the inside, never sinned, lived a perfect life, went to the cross on our behalf, and he died the death that we deserve. It was God's wrath upon him. And his body was broken for us. When we think of God's holiness, his righteousness, this is what we deserved. But he died on our behalf so that when we place our faith and our trust in him, all our sin gets emptied out upon him. He dies for us. And that is how we stand before God. Positionally, we are righteous. He looks upon us and it says that our sins are separated from us as far as the east is from the west. We are washed clean. But now you, you, think, you think, well, 
yeah, but Pastor Corey, you were talking about a sin nature. Well, that's true. Jesus has washed us clean. We're positionally righteous before God. But practically speaking, we still suffer, we still struggle with sin on a daily basis, right? And so that is also where the truth of salvation comes in, is that when Jesus ascends into heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of us. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to wash us clean. And he begins to take away all of this dirt. Now, it's a work in progress. And uh, we continue to, to wrestle with sin every day. But we're not doing it alone. We now have a helper. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And so that's why every day we wake up and we pray to God. We read his word, not because we're trying to earn our salvation, but because we're trying to partner with the Holy Spirit that lives in us, realizing that the Holy Spirit is going to give us strength to do what we can't do on our own. You see, the good news is the divine exchange didn't happen just 2,000 years ago. Yes, it happened 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus, but the divine exchange still happens in our lives every day where uh, the Holy Spirit comes and takes away our weakness and fills us with strength. And the Holy Spirit comes and takes away our fears and gives us courage because we rest in Christ. And the Holy Spirit takes away uh, confusion and gives us wisdom and takes away ignorance and gives us knowledge, takes away the power of sin over time as our lives are conformed to be more and more like Jesus, takes away the power of sins and gives us new life in Christ so that we might be like Christ, living the kind of life that Jesus lived when he was on earth. And so over and over again, the Holy Spirit comes and he uh, makes us more and more clean. You see, what happened 2,000 years ago uh, on the cross was justification. What's happening to us today, every day, as we, and it's a daily thing, every day we submit our lives to Christ. We ask him to give us strength to love the person that we cannot love on our own, to share the words of Christ that we don't have the words to share on our own, to be patient with the person that drives us nuts irritates us up a wall, uh, and, and, and slowly God begins to change us to become more and more uh, like him. That is uh, the divine exchange that happens over and over and over again every day. My favorite Bible verse is, my, well, I mean, my favorite Christmas verse is Matthew one twenty three, uh, and um, I want to read that again uh, here. It says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus came to this earth, uh, he came as Emmanuel, God with us. 100% God, 100% man. If you can get your mind around that, you're the smartest person in the face of, on the face of the world. Uh, that's hard to understand, but that's the truth. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. He was God with us, and that happened in the person of Jesus. But I think the reason this is my favorite Christmas verse is because Emmanuel is still true. God is now with us in the person of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. Uh, 
And God comes and he's still with us. Emmanuel is still true today. The divine exchange is still going on today as the Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out. So we got justification 2,000 years ago. We got uh, sanctification right now. And one day there will be glorification when we stand before Jesus in his presence. And we are changed from the inside out. And guess what? Jesus rose from the dead after three days, and he got a new body. And so will you and I when we stand in God's presence, and that'll be the greatest day of all. And then we'll really be with God in all of his glory, and it'll be wonderful. But in the meantime, we stand here right now, not in our own strength, but in dependence upon the Lord, because the Lord has sent his Holy Spirit to come and live within, within us. And so we're very thankful for a divine exchange that happened a long time ago, that we stand positionally uh, cleansed and, and righteous before God. And now practically we ask that God would give us strength to live as he would have us to live every day. And that's a wonderful thing. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you that uh, your wrath was satisfied upon your son. And it almost feels weird to say that. It's hard for us to get our minds around. That's because we've, we've got a, a, a finite mind that is all messed up because of sin. And, uh, and yet, God, we come before you and we just say thank you because of the truth that is revealed to us in your scriptures. And we rely upon that. Even if we don't understand it all, we just, uh, we just submit to you and thank you and live in gratitude and ask and pray that you would help us to love like you loved, to love unconditionally and sacrificially. And we know that you will help us because you've promised that and you've sent your Holy Spirit to live with us. And God, if there's anyone here this morning who hasn't received that gift of salvation, I pray that today they would open that gift, that they would ask Jesus to come into their life, that you would forgive their sins, and that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they can live with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.